Cloudflare has just fixed a vulnerability in their mutual TLS offering that have been sitting there for close to two years. It was released in a feature called the firewall rules where customers of Cloudflare can create client-side certificates, that's how mutual TLS works basically, and uh, configure them for certain clients such that only those clients can even connect or send particular requests to this backend, you know. You see, in no regular TLS, the authentication only happens on one way, you know. All clients are usually allowed, but servers must be authenticated by clients so that we know that we're connected to the to the correct server and this is usually done through certificates in client in, in mutual tls the client also supplies certificates and in that feature that they introduced the cloudflare introduced users can revoke client certificates if they found out that this particular client, such as let's say it's an IoT device that is producing logs, and you only want these particular IoT devices to produce logs. You don't want logs from a shady place, right? Let's say they found out that one of the IoT devices has been compromised, and uh, so they you can, as a customer, go and revoke the client certificate. That IoT device can no longer can no longer. They can't connect. It's weird with Cloudflare. They did it a little bit different. Usually with MTLS, if, if the certification is revoked, you can't even connect. You know, the connection, the TCP, of course, works, but the TLS fails because the authentication for the server side, you know, coming for the for the client certificate has failed, right? Because of the because the client has, has failed. But we're going to learn after uh, reading this article that Cloudflare does it actually differently. They, they want a cu more customized role. So they allow the connection with revoked, but they uh, reject it at uh, layer seven by uh, having the HTTP request actually carries information about the certificate. And they let the users effectively choose pick and choose which request to allow even if it's the certificate is revoked and which re, uh, requests are rejected it's very interesting so the vulnerability is was something called the session resumption uh or often called the pre-shared key uh, extension you know how about we jump into it and and discuss this this is a very interesting uh, write-up from cloudflare Welcome to the Backend Engineering Show with your host, Hussein Nasser. This is the show where we discuss the art and the craft of building software and cover recent news on backend technologies. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and rate it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. With that said, let's get on the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, so this comes from Cloudflare blog, uh, MTLS client certificate revocation vulnerability with TLS session resumption so this vulnerability is very specific you know first of all you have to be a customer of cloudflare to have this vulnerability second you have ha, must have enabled mutual tls right to begin with second you must have revoked a client client certificate at some point right how often do you do that right and and finally even if you revoke that vulnerability is that vulnerability is only happening when the client performs a session resumption right? which is uh, uh, basically skipping the authentication part that's what the session resumption is right so there's a lot of factors that needs to happen for this bug to take or this vulnerability to take place but if it did it's a, it's a it's a disaster Right, because uh, a user, right, might have not used any authentication like tokens or username or passwords or anything like that. They primarily rely on the client uh, certificates for authentication. Right, if you do that, right, so that if once if I if I know that you have this client certificate, technically speaking, I don't need username password. I don't need other form of authentication now it's a good idea to have which is <laughs> like in this case right uh but you don't have to because that is a way to uniquely identify this client and because you generated that certificate at some point for them their private key is there baked into the iat device whatever things they share the certificate has been vetted it's known it's trusted right that's why you allow it to connect. But you will usually add other form of authentication on top of that. And if you do that, you're even safer than you're safe. So even if, if this vulnerability, you know, did happen to you, which as according to Cloudflare, none of their customers actually were affected by it. They looked at the logs and they didn't see anything from March 2021 when they shipped this feature that enabled this vulnerability up until when they discovered it December 2022. Yeah, so almost close to two years, right? All right, let's read through this and uh, discuss all of this beautiful, juicy, juicy details. On December 16, 2022, that's uh, December 16 is the uh, national day of uh, Bahrain. Cloudflare discovered a bug where in limited circumstances, some users with revoked certificates may not have been blocked by Cloudflare firewall settings. Specifically, Cloudflare firewall rules solution did not block some users with revoked certificates from resuming a session via mutual TLS. And I'm going to I'm going to talk about session resumption in a minute now. 
even if the, the customer had configured firewalls rules to do so, this bug has been mitigated and we have no evidence of this being exploited. We notified any customer that they may have been impacted in abundance of caution so they can check their, their own logs to determine if an MLTLS protected resource was accessed by entities holding a revoked certificate. And uh, they didn't update this blog, so I guess not. Nobody was affected by this. So what happened? On cloud, uh, one of the Cloudflare rules features introduced in March 2021 lets customers revoke and block client certificate, preventing it from being used to authenticate and establish a session. For example, a customer may use firewall rules to protect a service by requiring clients to provide a client certificate through the mutual TLS authentication protocol. Customers may revoke or disable a client certificate after which it will no longer be used to authenticate a party initiating an encrypted session via MTLS. We talked about that in the intro, right? So if you if, if a client want to establish a person does a TCP and non, non, nothing stopping you from establishing a TCP connection. And assume this is all TCP, right? Quick is a little different, but it's all there is always a connection establishment the connection establishment is never stopped unless the firewall has a rule hey this ip address is not allowed all this port is not don't touch that port right but the so that is always established followed by a client hello and in mtls the client must provide a client certificate and the server will use that certificate and do the same thing that the client does for authentication, it checks uh, the leaf cert, it checks who signed this certificate, the certificate authority, and it checks its route to make sure that, oh, this client certificate is actually trusted. We trust you. You may continue. If uh, the client certificate has been revoked, uh, what happens is, well, usually, or, or even the server for that matter, by the way, there is like so much stuff here, you know, and... Uh, and I think I talked about it in some of my videos. Revocation is one of the most interesting problems to solve. Like if I revoke a certificate, how do you tell either the server or the client that this certificate is actually revoked? You know, so there are many solutions to that. The original was a, an actual list. Here's a bunch of list, right? Of all the revoked certificate ever existed in, in entirety that list grew very large very quick then there was a, another solution called um, uh, the online uh, certificate status protocol server you know so there's like okay let's not make a list that this list start uh, being saved on the server and this client let's just do uh, Let's just have this list in some server and let the client or the server ping this OCSP server to check. Hey, are you revoked? Hey, is this rejected? Is this rejected? Is this rejected? Is this rejected? Uh, this worked, but what did you notice? Like this OCSP server pretty much knows every website you visit, right? Because you're actually pinging, pinging it. Like, hey, is uh, gram lustygrammas.com uh, revoked? You know, oh, it's not revoked. Uh, good. I I'm totally not visiting that website. I'm just asking. So that's 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 the OCSP server idea again. 
uh, is being kind of killed. So the the other solution is OCSP stapling, which is let the server uh, prove that this certificate has not been rejected. Okay. So, but by by checking asynchronously with an OCSP server, right, and that's fine because the server is not gonna dox itself, I suppose, right? It's, it's gonna check. Hey, I I just proved that. Hey, this is actually my certificate. As of this time, this date is not revoked. You can trust it. Don't check. Just trust me, bro. You know, and that's it's gonna continue them. So that's. Certificate rejection check is also it's a very challenging problem, right? Uh, Cloudflare is easier for them because they they're doing it. Uh, Cloudflare they're doing it with the, within their list for a specific customer, so their list is smaller. And I guess you're on top of Cloudflare, so uh, sure, I suppose Cloudflare knows the website you're visiting because you're technically connecting to Cloudflare anyway, so. Cloudflare knows everything. And that's another thing people don't realize that CDN sees everything, by the way, you're sending. If you have a CDN on front of your backend, they need to decrypt. They are a reverse proxy. They need to terminate TLS. They need to decrypt every single request you're sending. So they are seeing everything. You might be okay with this, and that's fine. But just understand that they are doing. All right, I'm going all over the place. Let's go back here. When Cloudflare receives traffic from an end user, a service at the edge is responsible for terminating uh, uh, the incoming TLS connection. From there, the service is a reverse proxy, right? Talked about that. A beautiful, simple reverse proxy. And is responsible for acting as a bridge between the user and the various upstreams. Upstreams being the backends here. Upstreams might include other services within Cloudflare, such as Worker and Caching. Ah, so it's interesting. So they are breaking their reverse proxy into mini reverse proxies as well, such that uh, there are layers that are, you know, controlled. So this caching layer, this is uh, the whatever, the workers layer, right? the service workers. Or may travel through Cloudflare to an external server, such as an original hosting content. Sometimes you may want to restrict access to an endpoint, ensuring that only authorized actors can access it. Endpoint here, from what I understood, is like an actual slash post message, right? Or post log, right? Versus slash read something, right? Read log is a bad idea because you don't want anyone to read log. But let's say viewing the main page of something, that's fine. You don't need client certificates for that. But it's the same domain. So if you use pure mutual TLS by the mutual TLS rules, that connection will fail if you're rejected. No, if, if you don't have a client certificate to begin with, that will be rejected because you can't even connect to it. But how do you differentiate that? Visit to a homepage should not require a client certificate, but visit to this slash post should require a client certificate to authenticate. It's like you're authenticating one site over the other, right? One endpoint over the other. So you can, of course, provide the cookies or sessions or things like that. But with client certificates, it's all or nothing. And that's what Cloudflare did here. They did, it's a smart solution, I would say. It's interesting. I understand it. I understand why they did it. 
It's just uh, created this vulnerability as a result. So let's continue. Using client certificate is a common way to authenticate users. This is referred to as mutual TLS because both the server and client provide a certificate. When mutual TLS is enabled for a specific host name, mind you, this service at the edge is responsible for passing the incoming client certificate and converting that into metadata that is attached to HTTP requests that are forwarded to upstream. So do you see what, what they did there? So the, the, estab the establishment of the TLS session is always succeeding to Cloudflare Edge, if you will. But then the authentication happens and then upstream says, hey, I'm going to attach the same request that comes to me. Uh, now I'm going to attach it to probably the headers. I think they're going to create their own headers. And they attach those headers, apply these headers with the revocation status. We're not going to reject the connection. We're going to allow that rejected client to connect to Cloudflare. That is the, I suppose, the trick and what causes the vulnerability because you allowed it. So the, the RFC says don't allow it. You can't connect if your certificate is rejected. But uh, Cloudflare relaxed that because they want to uh, reject the certificate at, at a granular request level. So they would attach the HTTP request to the uh, to the certificate to their each request, right? And it's up to upstream level says, oh, you're going to slash post? All right, reject. You're going to slash home? Fine, I don't really care. It's just viewing the homepage. Who cares? It's a get request anyway, right? It's not like changing something on the server or anything. The upstream can process the metadata and make the decision whether the client is authorized or not, right? And that's how they do it. Now, customers can use Cloudflare dashboard to revoke existing client certificate. And instead of immediately failing handshake involve revoke clients, revocation is optionally enforced via firewall rules here's where the bug is right? we'll, we'll continue right? how which take effect at the http request level this leaves the decision to enforce revocation with the customer so it's up to you guys hey as a customer of cloudflare the a request to slash post is 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 enforcing client revocation certificates while other requests are not. It's a nice flexibility, it's a very nice things, right? And it's up to you, right? So of course you have to do it really, you have to know what you're doing to enable this stuff, right? So how does the, the, uh, the service determine whether a client's certificate is revoked? That's a good question, right? Uh, when we see a client certificate pretend, presented as a part of the TLS handshake, we store the entire certificate chain on the TLS connection. So a certificate is always uh, the certificate leaf itself, which is technically a public key, right? And then that public key is signed with, depends on the format, usually it's uh, X509. And then there's like a bunch of headers and the signature to create that signature, you have to use the private, the matching private key to create that, right? And the public key is used to validate that this signature was created indeed with this private key. Thus, you know that, oh, whoever gave me the certificate must own the private key, right? And that's the goal of the public key. But that's not enough because I can create a self-signed certificate and uh, uh, go always go be authenticated, right? Because self-signed certificates are always valid, right? 
No. That's why you must also have a parent public key that uh, used their private key to sign and trust your leaf certificate. Right? And that's called the certificate authority. And that certificate authority, even, right, you could do that yourself, right? Just self sign it. Right? So even that must be signed by someone upper than that. Could be another certificate authority or could be something called the root certificate authority. That's root certificate. Right? And that root certificate is self signed because who, who, who God is going to sign certificates now? No. Like at the end of the day, someone needs to self sign something, right? And so you might say, self sign, how do I trust roots? Well, well, <laughs> uh, your OS trusts roots certificates. Okay, like, hey, it comes ship with your OS, you're at the mercy of whoever installed those roots certificates. You trust them, you trust them. You don't trust them, tough luck. Because <laughs> that's what we have here a bunch of root certificates that's been trusted by someone, right? That's why. Uh, beware of like uh, machines like Chromebooks or whatever shipped out of China or you know Kazakhstan, for example. Right? They with a pre-installed operating system because they can install pretty much in the in the store, in the cert store, the certificate store, any any root certificate they they deem valid, right? So that's a that's something to understand, but. That's basically the certificate chain. This chain is a certificate, the certificate authority to the root. And that chain is included and stored in that. The root sometimes is optionally included because it's, because let's be honest, some roots are just trusted, like the roots for, I don't know, trust chain, whatever it's called, right? And here they talk about what do they store? They store just the subject key identifier, the serial number of the lease certificate, the issuer certificate, like that's the certificate authority, I suppose, and the serial number. And this is like the basic primary key, if you will, to identify them. Some of these values are used for upstream processes, but the issuer is key and leave certificate subject number, uh, serial number are used to query our internal data store for revocation status. So they're acting like the OCSP server effectively, right? The online certificate status protocol server. And uh, they basically, they query the server, say, okay, is this revoked or not? And who checks this revoke status? Probably the customer will say, hey, this customer is that, this is now, this public key is revoked, right? There's interesting, they're not using the public key, they're using the subject key identifier and the serial number. What's the difference between the serial number and the public key? Huh, it's interesting. Let's ask our friend. In, in certificate, what is the difference between uh, the serial number and the public key? Digital certificate, the serial number and the public key serve different purposes. Have the same serial number. The serial is a unique identifier assigned to each certificate by the certificate authority that issues it. Ah. So the certificate authority issues it. This number helps in managing and tracking certificates throughout their life cycle. Serial numbers are usually represented as a string of characters. So it's it got to be unique, right? Thank you, ChatGPT. I'm going to trust it for now. So I suppose the serial number is issued by the certificate authority in this case, right? And that is unique. The reason they use this probably because it's smaller, not not like the public key is a secret or anything like that, right? Why did they use public key? And said, huh? yeah, let's look, let's ask it. Uh, how large, uh, what is the size 
of the of the serial number and the certificate. The size of the serial number of the digits vary depending on the certificate authority. They follow according to the X509 certificate standard, which is widely used. The serial number should be positive integer up to 20 octets bytes in size, 20 bytes, right? Many CAs use serial numbers that, that are smaller than the maximum size, typically between 64 and 160 bit. So 8 to 20 bytes. That's a tiny thing, right? While the public key really depends on the, I suppose, the 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 public key cryptography, like with RSA or elliptic curve digital signature, right? So that's like 380, right? 384, I think. That's the electric curve digital signature. While the uh, while the RSA is like minimum, you have to do 2048, which is massive, right? So I understand why they use the serial number. It's like a tiny one. Like 20 bytes, like what? So 20 bytes, like 160 bits, still way smaller than the minimum requirement for the elliptic curve digital signature public key. All right, we're going all over the place, but it's all related, I think. <laughs> so they're using this for performance reasons, right? We gotta understand this stuff. All right, so they're sending it, and uh, and the upstreams checks the serial number, and that serial number is effectively uh, results in that, right? But what does this have to do with TLS session resumption? So let's let's talk about session resumption here. I'm trying to summarize all that, and then I'll add my own thoughts a little bit. Let's talk about session resumption in a, uh, very quick. Session resumption. How does it work? So for TLS sessions, what is what is the main component in a TLS session? There is, first of all, the key exchange. So we're doing a key exchange to agree on a secret, a main secret. And that secret is used to feed whatever algorithm we picked, symmetric key algorithm, and that becomes our encryption key. And both of us know this encryption key without anyone in the middle. Beautiful design. And during the TLS, also we do authentication, which is the server sends a certificate. Optionally, the client can send also a certificate, which is called MTLS, mutual TLS. But that, that's the costly part. There's so much stuff we do here. And, and if you do it with every connection, there is the cost of the cryptography to do the key exchange and development, and, right? And do the agree on the algorithms. And there's the more expensive part, in my opinion, which is the authentication, which is sending that certificate chain we talked about, which is massive, right? Can go up to 10 or 12 kilobytes, right? And, and by the way, that's not compressed. There's a, an RFC just to compress that. And it's not really, I don't think it's approved yet, right? So certificates are not compressed, so they are massive. So sending it across the wire both ways can take a long time, right? And And... It slows down the handshake as a result. So what people thought about is, okay, since we actually communicated, how about we store the knowledge that we actually talked once and agree that in the next connection, if I establish, if I establish a new connection somehow to the same domain, to the same server, then I can provide you with a hint, a ticket, if we will, that, hey, I, I, I've been here, right? And, uh, I'm good to go, right? I don't like to give these examples, but I'm, I'm gonna give these examples for the sake of, you know, just illustration. I'm gonna go and do details later. Uh, for my son's birthday, we went to Legoland in San Diego. 
actually it's a car's bad but sure well uh there's a big line to go through to go through security and you know show them their tickets uh, show them your id sometimes and then they will associate your tickets right and then we'll verify that okay we're trusted but then they it says okay if you want to exit and come back again they give you a stamp on your hand just like i don't know just this dumb stamp like they stamp your hand so then next time if you want to enter the park you don't have to go through that line and security and to show your stuff you just show the stamp and then you're in right? so you skipped so much cost to you and your family and just enter the park i don't like to give this example because they they make things sound so simple which they are not right but i'd like to get when i was there i was like the, the first thing i thought about like oh my god this is such a resumption this is tls session resumption i just did tls session resumption in legoland so what but what really happens here let's now go to the technical details which we love and adore so what really happens is actually when when we want, if the client and the server supports the session resumption, the client will propose something in their TLS extension in the client hello, will say, hey, here is a pre-shared key extension. Let's not only agree on a main secret to encrypt this session, but also let's agree on a resumption secret in the future. So they agree on actually two secrets. They are different secrets. Yeah? So the main session resumption and the main secret and then resumption main secret as it's called, right? So you would go, if you connect normally, they would do the, that thing, but you would as additionally, the cost is we're going to also calculate this main secret and the resumption main secret. The main resumption main secret is not used at all, right? What happens? The client now knows the current secret and they can use it to encrypt the current secret communication but the server also knows it right and the server and the client also knows this new resumption future secret right what the server does and there are many ways to do this one way is they store and i'm gonna i'm gonna use the the better the stateless way i'm gonna talk about the stateless way here right the 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 server would use that main the the resumption key put it in something called a ticket right it's literally just a data structure and then encrypt that data structure with another key and that key must be known to the server and, and rotate it so that key is stored somewhere securely on the server and then you encrypt that right you encrypt that ticket and then you return this encrypted ticket which the client cannot really decrypt because they don't have that key that special key that we talked about then they send it so there is a key inside inside encrypted by another key that the client doesn't know so now the client gets this ticket the new session ticket is called and the client will have the technically the main resumption the the main resumption secret so they would associate that with this ticket and store it together they store it somewhere so only the client actually stores the knowledge of this thing the the server can technically discard the knowledge of this ticket at all right you can you can you can also technically connect to another server and i'll be fine how let's do this now 
a new session is established. I want to resume a session. What do we do? What do we do is we don't provide client certificate. We don't do any certificate or anything. All what the client does is they do a client hello and they send everything in the client hello. I take it back. They, they, because you, you have to assume that the server might not accept your pre-shared resumption, right? But they send the new ticket session, the second session ticket inside the client hello. Says, hey, hey, server, last time you remember you should give me that. I want to resume a session. And now you might say, like, there is a main secret associated with that that the client knows, but it, the client never sends that secret on plain text. That's a bad idea, right? But it sends this encrypted session ticket, which is also pointless. Even the client cannot decrypt that, but the server can. So the client, the server gets that session ticket, decrypts it, right? With that key, the key must exist in the server. So if you, if you manage to rotate it and that you use the new key that is not lined up with this, you're going to get an error and the full handshake will be done instead of a resumption. But that's fine. Let's assume the server actually has that key, right? And it's rotated in like an hourly basis. I think that's what Cloudflare does. Every hour they rotate these keys. So the server will decrypt the session ticket. Ah, look at that. There's all this information. I know this guy. The fact that I use this key and I decrypted it and I see the information belonging to the same client, technically, or other clients as well, because I don't think a certificate is attached to this session ticket is attached to a client per se. So what happens is this, the client, the, the server will look at this session ticket. So, okay, I see this. I trust you. All is good. Let's skip the whole thing. And now skipping the whole thing really depends on the implementation. What does it mean to skip the whole thing? You can technically skip the the authentication part without any problem you're safe you can skip that if you want because i know this guy i don't need to send the certificates all over again fortunately we took the head to the client sent its certificate which is eh, something you have to do i suppose right but the server doesn't have to right the server technically can just resume the session here and the server can also make another decision to also avoid the key exchange altogether. Why? The server can just use the main secret that is stored in that ticket, right? And it says, okay, let's, let's just use this and let's start encrypting with this future main secret. And the client will just use uh, uh, that to encrypt with the future main secret. And then they continue encrypting immediately with that key which the client has must have because they actually established it in previously right? and they stored it if the client didn't doesn't have it it's all done right and then you can resume the session that's skipping that that part the key part sometimes the servers don't do that they just say you know what uh I know, but I don't trust you, client. Maybe you shared this key somewhere, or you maybe you have been leaked. Maybe someone broke into your stuff and decrypted that. But yeah, so so you can play with that session resumption. So and that, so this this is a, a scalable way such that the server doesn't have to remember every single client it ever resumed connection with, right? Because otherwise, if you do it statefully, the server must store this session ticket somewhere. That's the, called the session IDs, right? The idea of the session ID. So let's store a session ID instead, and then 
query some sort of a database to check that this session exists or not, right? That's another way to do it. So this way is actually stateless, where 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 technically everything is in this new ticket. You might you might argue that oh the key is there technically is not really fully stateless because there is a key stored somewhere that without it you're you it's not it's not enough, right? But recall that when a client presents a certificate, we store the certificate chain on the TLS connection. Remember? Well, that's what they did. When you connect to Cloudflare with a client certificate, the chain of the client certificate is stored in the TLS connection. Rejected or not, doesn't matter. They accept all client certificate, whether it's rejected or not, right? That's, the, that's what they, that's the change they made, right? It was discovered that when sessions were resumed, if you actually resume a session, which is the client still provide their client certificates, have to, right? And that certificate is rejected. Another code path is getting executed. And I, I, I totally get it. I totally see it as code. You would definitely have two code paths for this. Like, oh, if I am a new connection, do this and start take the certificate and do this if you are resuming a, a session then there will be another code path where you you have the and that code path they missed to store the certificate chain in the tls connection so if you run into that code path where it says okay oh, i'm resuming a session and this the new session ticket is is good then go through this code path and do something else right almost the same thing but we're skipping a bunch of code but in that code path they did not add this code to actually store the client certificate in the tls connection what does that mean now we have a tls connection with an empty client certificate and if you have an empty client certificate nothing is getting sent to the server to the backend upstream server right the request will only have empty client certificates. So, hey, actually, this guy never actually sent us any client certificates, right? So we're good. So what does the client do? The client, uh, this upstream server will check. It's like, oh, I guess this is allowed. Good stuff. And that's the problem, right? We Meaning we were unable to check the revocation status and pass this information to firewall rules for further processing. And they're, they're going through the actual details here. They're showing you examples and stuff like that. How did we address the problem? Upon realizing that session resumption led to the inability to properly check revocation status, our first reaction was to disable session resumption for all mutual TLS connection. This blocked the vulnerability immediately. That's a good choice. Uh, who cares about the uh, resumptions, right? It's like, yeah. Take a hit. Would you take an extra milliseconds of performance penalty on your resumed sessions? Or, or would you rather have a vulnerability? Of course, I'll take that extra milliseconds, right? So that's a smart choice. The next step was to figure out how to safely re-enable resumption for MTLS. To do so, we need to remove the requirement of depending on data stored within the TLS connection state. Right? So they remove that. How do they remove it? And instead, we can use an API call that will grant us access to the leave certificate in both session resumption and non-session resumption cases. Ah, how? 
I see what they did there. So instead of rolling on their own data structure to store the certificate themselves and rely on manually updating that, they're just relying on the underlining uh, X509 certificate to always get us this. If you're asking the API for the certificate API, we're always going to get it, right? You're not really populating a data structure and manually querying that data structure to get that certificate. No, they're just like, hey, I know the session will always have a certificate, or th a certificate the TLS session. Let's call in into the underlining uh, APIs to get that. That's what I understood at least. Yeah. It's interesting. So let's remove any additional code that we have to do manually and let's just actually rely on 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 the built-in APIs. So this is the detailed uh, timelines. In March 2021, we introduced the new feature, right? Uh, to ability to revoke MTLS certificate in December 16, right? And they tell you the exact time, so 2153 at 9 o'clock 53, Cloudflare discovers that the vulnerability resulted from a bug whereby certificate revocation software is not checked for, for session resumption. Cloudflare begins working on a fix to disable resumption for all MTLS connections to the edge. To the edge, right? Only to the edge. And then a day later, Cloudflare revalidates the fix and starts to roll out the fix globally, that fix to disable MTLS altogether. I mean, session resumptions for MTLS, right? Just this, the ability to send this new session ticket. Basically, any anything you, if you send a new session ticket, we're just going to ignore it and do a full handshake all the time. Right? That's what they did. Right? Rollout is complete, migrate, mitigating the vulnerabilities. No, no, more, no more vulnerabilities, right? The entire globe. Cloudflare starts to roll out the fix in a month later, almost, January 12th, Cloudflare starts to roll out the fix that supports both session resumption and revocation. Rolls is complete in January 18 of this year, 2023. In conclusion, once Cloudflare, oh my God, I just realized that I'm, I'm not I'm not sharing my screen. I'm sorry, you didn't really miss much, guys. <laughs> In conclusion, once Cloudflare identified the vulnerability, a remediation was put into a place quickly, a fix that correctly supports session resumption and revocation has been fully rolled out. After reviewing the logs, Cloudflare has not seen any evidence that this vulnerability has been exploited in the wild. All right, guys, uh, that is for me. I know this is a long video, but I, I like to kind of unpack these layers just for me to be, have a better understanding of everything that is said here. And I think I have maybe a 95% understanding of what's going on here. There are parts that I'm not comfortable with. I'm, I'm not really well-versed, especially these function calls, the get authority key ID and get subject key ID. I think these are like internal things related to specifically to X509. And you can call these functions to always get access to the certificate. So that's better than actually rolling Oh, your own APIs, your own data structure, and store them. Every time you store something and making sure it's there, it's, it's always going to bite you <laughs> eventually. All right, guys, that's it for me today.
I'll see you in the next one. Good stuff. Uh, thanks for Claire for sharing the details on this. Thanks. Uh, let's shout out the author of this, Rochelle Mehra. Good job, guys. Thank you so much. Goodbye.